0: You can get The Leader every weekday at 4pm by simply subscribing through your favourite podcast provider and we'd love you to give us a rating too. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Britain's chief rabbi says Jeremy Corbyn is unfit for high office because Labour's failed to handle anti-Semitism and the Archbishop of Canterbury is backing him.
1: What he has done is tolerated a culture in which people use terminology that causes anxiety. The problem is he's not done enough to tackle that and the question is why not?
0: Our political editor Joe Murphy on an extraordinary intervention. Also... As the full impact of the RMT Union's rail strike next month is revealed, why the standard backs minimum service guarantees during industrial action and...
2: When you've had your club taken away from you, from an outside owner, to then work all that way to get it back, to put in all that effort, to have all that control and to give it back is a great fit. The standard Simon Collins on AFC Wimbledon's
0: fans' dilemma. They may have to give up control of their club to realise the dream of it returning ...to its historic home. (music) Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, can the Labour Party ever rid itself of anti-Semitism, with Jeremy Corbyn in charge?
3: wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: Not even a week ago, Jeremy Corbyn was talking tough on the BBC Question Time Leaders debate when challenged about anti-Semitism. Bad behaviour, misogynism, racism in any form is absolutely not acceptable in any form whatsoever in my party or
2: in our society. Then, then why... Then why we...
0: The words weren't enough for the UK's chief rabbi, Ephraim Mervis, who has written an article saying British Jews are gripped with anxiety about the general election, with a new poison sanctioned from the top taking root in Labour. How complicit in prejudice would a leader of Her Majesty's opposition have to be to be considered unfit for office, he asks. Labour says it will guarantee the security of the Jewish community if the party comes to power. Our editorial column is not convinced.
4: Mr Corbyn may well believe himself to be virtuous, but he is being judged for his actions and his words. Did he not notice when in 2010 he co-chaired a meeting during Holocaust Memorial Week when Israel was compared to Nazi Germany? Did he not question the nature of the offensive mural of an elite banker cartel, which he defended? Has he ever considered why his arrival as party leader coincided with the eruption of this awful situation? The test of leadership is how a party deals with such things. It is a test that the Conservatives should apply to themselves over still isolated but worrying incidents of Islamophobia among its members and supporters. As for Labour, any hope that the party might answer the chief rabbi's fears will not be met while Mr Corbyn remains at its head.
0: Our political editor, Joe Murphy, is in our Westminster office. Joe, this has come on the day Labour launched its Race and Faith Manifesto, which was supposed to put a stop to this.
1: And, of course, it's not gone quite according to script. Um, Not only did the um, Chief Rabbi choose today to write his article, which is really, really very, very astringent, um, followed by the Archbishop of Canterbury, But when Labour's event started, it was notable that there were some fairly controversial figures up on stage alongside Mr Corbyn. And who were they? Well, one, um, second from the right on the platform of VIPs, was Apsama Begum, who is the Labour candidate for Tower Hamlets. Now, she is a left-winger, she's a Corbyn supporter, who is a senior national member of Momentum, and she has been controversial because she has used such terms as Zionist masters in tweets, for which she's apologised. And she is probably emblematic of the existence of this problem in the Labour ranks, i.e. activists who use these terminologies without realising how offensive and anxiety-causing they are, in the words of the uh, chief rabbi.
0: Is Labour's problem, then, that it doesn't, realise how it appears to be anti-Semitic at times?
1: I think you could write a book on on exactly what is going on in the psyche of the Labour Party. Everybody says to you, Jeremy Corbyn is not an anti-Semite. And for what it's worth, I've never seen any evidence of Jeremy Corbyn in person advancing hatred towards um, Jewish people. But what he has done is tolerated a culture in which people use terminology that causes anxiety or causes offense and the problem is he's not done enough to tackle that that is plain and the question is why not
0: there must be frustration inside the labor campaign that this is a something that won't go away labor had a pretty good week last week Uh, they did well they dominated the headlines they made some big announcements the manifesto went down well with supporters and yet this has happened again
1: Well, there is, but I think you have to remember that there are two campaigns going on for the Labour Party. There's the one that is in the media spotlight, which is full of controversy, which um, the people go off message, people get roasted for getting their figures muddled up or whatever, and for these awful sort of um, big public interventions. Um, But then there's another Labour campaign, and it's one that they plug away at on the doorstep, and in their social media, to their converted supporters mainly, which is going quite smoothly. Now, in the 2017 election, what we found was that the the, the second campaign, the one one to their own supporters, actually did very well, and they came back with more votes, I think, than anybody predicted. And they're hoping that they can repeat that and come back with um, substantial gains.
0: The chief rabbi's intervention was... Unprecedented, and it came with a, a degree of power. But then to be backed up by the Archbishop of Canterbury—does these kinds of interventions have an effect on on voters?
1: There are um, seats like Hendon, like Finchley and Golders Green, where Labour ought to be winning if they've got any chance of holding the balance of power, let alone forming a forming a majority government. And at the moment they are... It's a a bit of an open question as to whether they're going to make those advances. Um, There is a Cabinet Minister, Theresa Villiers, who's hanging on by just three dozen votes. And it's an open question whether she will be swept away in a Labour advance or whether the backlash against this phenomenon of apparent anti-Semitism will enable her to survive.
0: Next. The RMT's Christmas rail strike will last 27 days and bring disruption to thousands. The Standard says it has to be stopped.
3: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: It's being dubbed the Scrooge Strike, but the Dickens penny pincher would be aghast at what the RMT's action on one of London's busiest commuter networks next month is going to cost – Economists think it'll take up to £400 million out of businesses' pockets, with 27 days of disruption promised. South Western Railways has released details of what's going to be hit. A massive reduction in rush-hour services, last trains brought forward by up to two hours, and services to and from places like Woking slashed from 42 trains in the morning to just 15. Our editorial column says it must be stopped.
4: A map just produced by South Western Railway brings home the shocking impact of the strike, which is just about to start on routes out of Waterloo. Some lines will shut, others will run fewer services, and these will end early. Huge numbers of people will suffer, and so will businesses. And it is all pointless. The RMT union is fighting a fictional campaign about the role of guards, which the operator says it will keep in place. It's simply a show of militant union muscle. The Conservative Manifesto proposes imposing minimum service guarantees in strikes, as happens in some other parts of Europe. It's a good idea.
0: You can keep up to date with strike action news, as well as domestic and international headlines with our morning bulletins. We send one to smart speakers every day at 7am. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. Now. AFC Wimbledon's been owned by its supporters since it was set up in 2002 in reaction to the former Wimbledon FC being uprooted from South London to eventually become MK Dons. They've been playing in Kingston-upon-Thames, but from day one the dream has been to go back to where the fans call home, Lane. They're so close. A stadium's under construction, but now the club needs to find £11 million to finish the job. And the fans, who own 75% of the team, may have to give up some control. The Dons Trust has called a special general meeting next month. The Standard, Simon Collins is out of the newsroom chasing the story. Simon, is there a way out of this for the fans?
2: The ideal situation would be you could go to a bank, you know, explain the situation, we need to raise this money to complete the move, but... Given everything that's going on at the moment with Brexit, um, football clubs we know at the moment, certainly look at Berry and Bolton, are not the most financially stable institutions for banks to be lending to. So there's a reluctance there. And the solution put forward to the trust has been to bring in outside investors who will buy a stake in the club to provide the money to get the move over the line back to Plough Lane. But that move to Milton Keynes, where the club was basically taken from the fans, moved 55 miles away, there is a major reluctance to let someone else in given the fear that this could happen again.
0: This has been the dream, the excitement that's driven fans through all of the history of, of AFC Wimbledon as it rose up again and hit the heights of League One. To not get it would presumably be quite devastating for them.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is, this is the real debate and why it's such a big crossroads, because when you've had your club taken away from you, from an outside owner to then work all that way to get it back, to put in all that effort, to have all that control and to give it back is a great fear. But the key going forward is is these investors who are coming in, I'm told that the local businessmen in the area, I'm told they've been to games at Kings Meadow, I'm told they're not doing it as a profit-making exercise. And the work that's now going on in the trust is to sort of lay foundations for things like the trust will be able to veto changing the club's name, changing the club's bag, relocating the club the things that happened before there's going to try and be checks and balances to ensure that can't happen again and that could be a solution whereby these investors come in they'll have a large say in the running of the club but the core and the identity of the club will still be controlled by the trust and that could be a solution going forward how's this meeting going to
0: go next month it's only a couple of weeks i think what's the atmosphere going to be like there
2: yeah i think it's going to be i mean it's going to be historic sgm it's the 9th of december it's been penciled in for And in fairness to the trust, the way they have communicated to the members so far, they've laid it out pretty clear, pretty obvious what the state of play is. So there'll be no, you know, there's nothing hidden from the trust members they are completely open. They know what the finances are, what needs to be done. So they'll be able to make a clear and concise decision about what should happen next.
0: Yeah, but can they make a clear and concise decision when football's emotional?
2: Yeah, I mean, that is true. That That is going to be the question. I mean, it's easy us from the outside, you know, it, you're looking at the finances of it. You can see you need the outside investment. I mean, it's incredible that, that Wimbledon have really got this far. There perhaps needs to be a realisation. Take emotion out of it and look at it in the raw black and white, if you can, and think, you know, for the good of the club, we need to surrender a bit of it. But if we can have those checks and balances, if we can keep that identity being in our control, then then moving forward, it could perhaps work and not be a repeat of of those scenes we saw in the past.
0: And that's The Leader. Thank you for listening, and please do subscribe to get our news, analysis, interviews and opinion every day at 4pm. We'll see you tomorrow.